Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Hey, once again, we are in the study of the book of Jude. Now, I have started and stopped, and then started again and stopped, and each time I started again, I gave you another introduction to the book of Jude. So I've given you two introduction messages to the book of Jude. I think we've got it now, right? So, therefore, we're going to move forward. Not very much forward. We're just going to move forward. We're going to lean into verse 1 and try to get through verse number 1 of this great little epistle called the book of Jude. Okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to jump right in. Take your Bibles, take your iPads, your iPhones, your Android, whatever device it is. Uh, The one I'm missing, the Kindle, the Kindle. If you have the Kindle Fire, whatever device I'm missing, take that. Turn in your devices or turn in your Bible to the book of Jude, and uh, we're going to jump right into this study this evening, okay? Let me pray for us. Father, once again, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for, for Tyler, for the band, for all the singers, and each one that was up here, and ask you that you continue to bless them. And uh, we are so blessed to be able to have great music and a great band to lead us in worship each and every time we gather together, and we ask your blessings to continue to rest upon them. All these prayer requests have been mentioned. We pray, God, you move on each one. We pray now as we get to the preaching, the teaching, the gleaning from the Word of God, that you would open our hearts and our minds and help us to receive your Word this evening. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do His divine, powerful work in our lives to illuminate the passage of Scripture so that we could have understanding. Your Word teaches that the Word of God is spiritually discerned. And God, the only way we can have understanding and clarity is for you to teach us, for you to open our hearts, our minds, and for you to be indwelt in our lives. And I pray that you would do that even now. Um, Shine light on this passage of Scripture. Illuminate our minds. Give us understanding. Help us to glean from this great book this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last two introductions to this great little book that I've shared with you In both of those introduction sermons, I shared with you a statement, what I believe is the greatest threat to any Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church. Now, as soon as we ask the question and start thinking about what the greatest threat may be, our minds oftentimes immediately go to outside the church. We go to other movements, other the occults, we go to other beliefs, we, we go to the world, we go to sin, we kind of point fingers outside the church and say the greatest threat to the church has to be outside the church. Well, I don't necessarily believe that's the truth. I think the greatest threat to the church is within the church. It's people within the church that are carrying around false doctrine that is leading people astray from the truth of the Word of God. Uh, And scripture talks oftentimes about how Satan can transform himself into an angel of light to where we think that that preacher, that teacher, that instructor, that influencer within the church is teaching us sound doctrine where all the time it could be that they are leading us astray 
with false doctrine. That's what Jude's addressing. Uh, and Peter addressed that as well in First and Second Peter. Both of these books are very uh, synonymous. They're very close with one another. And I believe that Jude is echoing the writings of Peter. I believe Peter gave the prophecy that apostasy would come. And I believe Jude is now drawing attention to the believers and to his audience that apostasy has already come. And Peter's prophecy has been fulfilled that the apostates are now already within the church. So the doctrine of apostasy is not something that's new. Uh, it, it was there when Jude was writing and he wanted to write to us, if you remember when we started unpacking this book, he wanted to write to us about this, this common, this wonderful salvation that we all enjoy. But then he said, I must need write to you that you stand, that you confront the false doctrines within the church and the apostasy that's taking taken place. So I just want us to kind of understand that and realize that uh, in, in the New Testament church today, there is this spiritual poison that's kind of oozing and slithering its way through the New Testament church and calling itself Christianity, where I think oftentimes it's leading us further from the Word of God and more into a very self-centered, self-absorbed, type of living and gospel, if you will, okay? So with all that being said, now if you want to hear more about that, listen to the last two podcasts. There's two introductions on the book of Jude, and that kind of lays the foundation uh, for this little book. Tonight I want us to look in Jude, Jude, I start to say chapter 1. There's only one chapter. In Jude 1, I want us to look at verses 1 and verse number 2, and I will try to glean from these two verses, and that's as far as I'll go this evening. The Bible says Jude a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Now, in the last message, I got into verse number one briefly and kind of shared a little bit about Jude, a slave. That's the term bond slave there. Uh, and we kind of unpacked that a little bit. I talked to you about who, who Jude was, how he was a half-brother of our Lord. We know that Scripture teaches us, and we can see through Scripture, that Jude did not even become a believer, a follower in Jesus Christ until after the resurrection. Uh, he didn't really believe he was who he said he was until after the resurrection. Then he became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want us to glean at the latter part of verse number 1 and verse number 2, and I want to look at Jude's audience. I want to look who it is that Jude is writing to and why he is writing to this group of people and the topic that he's covering before he gets into us contending for the faith and talking about the apostasy and the false doctrine, the false teachings that are in the church. Why is it, do you think, that, that Jude now is looking to this audience of believers, these Christ followers, and he's telling them, if you will, the latter part of verse number one, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, kept by Jesus Christ, may grace or mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Why is he telling them that now? I believe the reason he's telling them that at the outset of this letter, because sometimes whenever we find ourselves in the midst of false doctrine or false teaching or whenever we think about apostasy taking place, 
Sometimes that can be very fearful for the child of God. Sometimes we can think, boy, who can I believe? What can I believe? Maybe I just won't do anything. You know, we almost kind of crawl into this rock and just kind of stay hidden from everybody and everything. I do not believe that's the way God wants us to live, nor do I believe that's what Jude wants us to live by. Therefore, he is really giving us, whenever we look at the audience who he's writing to, he's given us four very good reasons why we should not live in fear and why we can have confidence even in the last days, even at the end of the church age that we are in today. Now, listen, let me say this. Do not live in fear if you're a child of God, right? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, right? You've got the Holy Spirit indwelt in every born-again believer. He leads us, he guides us, he teaches us, he makes us aware of false teaching and false doctrine. He gives us the truth of Scripture. He convicts us, he draws us to God. I mean, the Holy Spirit is always working in our lives. So I just want to say this, don't live in fear. None of us have to live in fear. And I believe that's what Jude is trying to unpack here at the beginning of this epistle for all of us as believers in Jesus Christ, even though we are living in this last day of the church age, which, by the way, how, how long has the church age been in existence? Since when? Since the ascension, whoever said that, since the ascension of Christ, whenever he went back to be with God the Father after the crucifixion, after the burial, after the resurrection, those 40 days that he made himself visible and those hundreds and hundreds of people that saw him and then he's out there on that Judean hillside and he ascends back up to God the Father. He tells them to go wait until they be endued with power from on high. Then the day of Pentecost came. That's the beginning of the church age. Now, was that last week? Was that last month? Was that last year? No, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Right? Stay with me, church. So we're, we're talking about now really a 2,000 plus year period of time that we have been living, get this, in the last days. Okay? I'm amazed at the, the excitement that people get today thinking, man, we're the group that's living in the last days. No, you're not. There's been people for 2,000 years living in the last days. Now, I don't know when the Lord's going to come. If he tarries, he's coming. There may be another 100, maybe another 500, maybe another 1,000. No man knows the day or the hour, which is a sign. If someone stands up and tells you, I know when Jesus is coming, there's you a heretic, there's a false prophet, there's a false teacher. You should automatically know, boop, don't listen to that individual anymore. If they're going to tell me that, who knows what else they may tell me, Right? No one knows the day or the hour that the Lord is coming again. But the thing is, we need to be ready at all times. So whenever we're living in this last day of the church age, and I believe we can look around and we can see the signs unfolding all around us today, and we can see Scripture becoming a reality, and we can see all these things that was prophesied in God's Word coming to fruition. We can see these things come into place. I believe we can look around and the signs are everywhere that I believe we're at the end of the church age. Now, are you saying, Pastor, you think we got another year or two or five? I don't know. I don't have a clue. I can tell you this. He may come in the morning... You see, there, there's nothing else in prophecy that has to be fulfilled before he comes for the church. I mean, that could take place at any moment. So here's all I want to say about that. You need to be ready. 
Every single one of us need to be ready. Now, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to, I want you to live your life like Christ is coming first thing in the morning. 5 a.m., boom, he's coming. Maybe 4.30. I don't know exactly. Okay? I want you to live your life like he's coming immediately. But I want you to plan your life like he's never coming. Right? What do I mean by that? I mean, you've you got to plan out your life. I mean, you've you got to think about this lifespan that you have. Listen, I think about our church. I think about my life. I think about how effective we want to be for Christ's sake while I'm still alive. I want my life to count for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So therefore, I'm putting some thought, some intentional thought into my life, planning it out so that I can have an impact for the cause of the gospel and for the cause of Christ. So that's the planning I'm talking about. But hey, I'm ready, honey, should he come in the morning. I'm ready if he comes tonight. I'm ready if he comes right now. Hello? Live your life so that you're ready at any moment, but plan your life like he's never coming. But in all of that, don't live in fear. Let me give you, in these, the latter part of verse 1, and verse number 2, let me give you four reasons why Jude pins for us that we do not need to live in fear. Now, I want you to get your hands in your Bibles, okay? Get your hands in the Word of God. We're going to be flipping around somewhere. Get your stylus out. Get your finger ready for the iPad, the iPhone, the Android, the Kindle Fire, whatever it is you're looking at. We're going to go and look at a lot of Scripture tonight, okay? This is not one of those, uh, you come and sit and I just do my thing and then you walk out. I want you in God's Word. Okay, so that's what we do. We bring our Bibles to church, whatever. Listen, I don't care what means you bring it, just bring it, right? I mean, actually in my office, I do 95% of all my studying on the computer. When I'm out and about and around, I'm in my iPad. When I don't have my iPad, I have my iPhone. I have Logos Bible software on all of those devices. And then I try to bring it coming into the pulpit, into my Bible. There's something about it. I just, I just sometimes struggle not bringing this in here. This old tradition, I guess, what it is. You can preach without it. I mean, it's, God's word is God's word. But anyhow, I want you to look. Here, I want, I want to share with us tonight four reasons why we do not have to live in fear, although that we know the doctrine of apostasy has already been at work. Peter prophesied it would come. Jude is now telling us it's already come. It's already in the church. He's wanting us to contend and fight against it, but he doesn't want us to live in fear. And he starts out this great little letter with four reasons on why we do not have to live in fear. And those four reasons I want to share with you tonight so we will not get very far. Okay? Verse number one. To those who are called, that's reason number one. Reason, I'm going to give you all four of them just in case I don't unpack them, okay? That way you'll know and then we'll be able to move on next week. The, the four reasons, because we've been called. Reason number two, we've been loved by God the Father. We are kept, reason number three, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fourth reason, I'd use one word to wrap up verse number two, we are blessed, okay? We are called, we are loved, we are kept, and we are blessed, May Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Those are four reasons, four very good reasons, why we do not have to live in fear. Now, let me go back and see if I can unpack them briefly for you here this evening, okay? Number one reason why we do not have to live in fear is because we have been called. Now, when you start thinking about that word called, We think about two types of calling. We think about this general calling, if you will. 
And then we think about this personal one-on-one where the Holy Spirit really comes and convicts our hearts and draws us to Him. And at that point, we are born again and saved. I believe the second type of calling is the calling that Jude is talking about here. But let's go back just for the sake of a good Bible study and looking through Scripture. By the way, the best commentary on the Bible is what? The Bible. Right? So let's get chapter and verse to back up chapter and verse. And if we're looking at something in Scripture and we're going to look at this general call and we look at this specific personal call, I think we need to find Scripture that backs up both of those teachings and both of those doctrines. Okay? So that's where we're going tonight. I want to share with you briefly as we start thumbing our way through the Word of God, I want us to look at this general call that God has on the entire world. Guys, you realize, and you, you, you'll see this as we go through this scripture, but do you realize, listen to what I'm saying, do you realize that the entire world today is potentially saved? Key words, potentially. Do you realize there has been a universal, general call that's been sent out to all of humanity for all of the world to be saved should they answer that personal call when God deals with their heart and deals with their their life that's what we're going to look at I want us to look first of all in Isaiah turn back in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah we're going to look at several passages of scripture here so get ready Isaiah chapter number 45 here is a general call if you will The general call, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 22. Are you there? Isaiah 45 and verse number 22. Here is a general overview of a call. Now, I don't believe this is the one Jude's writing about because I think the Greek word takes us a little further deeper than that. But I want you to know there's two types of calling. There's the general where everybody's called. Matter of fact, if you remember, and I'll share this with you later when we get there. Remember where Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen? What's that mean? It's talking about this general calm, but how he also teaches that wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the, is the road and narrow is the gate that leads to le- everlasting life. I believe that's a word picture for the statement that Jesus said that many are called but few are chosen. So this is that general call that God has given to the entire world so that the entire world can be saved. You see, I believe the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross, is is good enough for the entire world to be saved. Right? And I think the entire world has an opportunity to accept Christ as their personal Savior. Look what he says in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. It says, Turn to me and be saved. Who? All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. What type of call is that? That's a general call. All the ends of the earth turn to me. All the ends of the earth repent. All the ends of the earth believe. There's the general call. There's more. Matter of fact, there's many more. Turn to Isaiah chapter 55 in your Bibles. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6. Man, I love teaching the Bible. This this right here is what I love to do more than anything else. Just, just teaching the Bible. You know? I love that. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6. Look what it says. Once again, we're talking about this general call. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Now, that's just a general call out to man. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. It's not Debbie or Jose or Cynthia or Penny or John. It's seek the Lord while he may be found. Right? It's that general call. Let's go a little further. I want you to look in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter number 33. Keep going. You're headed towards the back of the book. So just turn to your right. Just keep going. Ezekiel chapter 33. Once again, we see this general call, if you will. Look in verse number 11. The scripture says, Ezekiel 33, 11. The scripture says, Tell them as I live the declaration of the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent, repent of all your evil ways. Now once again, this is the general call that is going out to man that they repent and that they turn to the Lord. You need a few more verses? I thought so. Matthew chapter 11. Go there real quick. Matthew chapter 11. I want you to look at this call. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28. Here's the call that Jesus gave. Matthew 11, 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. What is that? That is a general call. For all those who are heavy and burdened and laden down, come to me and I will give you rest. Let me take you to one more. John chapter 7 and verse number 37. John 7 and verse number 37. Look at the latter part of that verse. John 7 verse 37. The scripture says, Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. Now once again, it's that general call. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then, probably the, one of the most famous general calls of all is Revelation 22. I want you to go to Revelation 22. Just go to the back of the book, okay? Go to the very end of the scriptures. Go to right before the maps, okay? And you'll get this last general call. Revelation 22 and 17, the Bible says, Both the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And anyone who hears should say, come. And the one who is thirsty should come. And whoever desires should take the living water as a gift. So once again, what do you see? This general call. And I know I spent a lot of time on that, but I think it's important you see that. We've got to understand there is this general call for all of humanity to come to Christ. Right? We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. I do not think with scripture I gave you, and by the way, I probably left out 10 more references that I could have given you. I think we, that's ample enough evidence in scripture to believe and to see that there is these, this general calm that is out to all humanity to come to Christ, to hear the gospel, to respond. But I think Jude is taking it further than that. I think Jude is going more towards this personal call on man whenever we accept Christ. As a matter of fact, let me take you to two or three verses of Scripture just to prove this point. And there are many, many more verses of Scripture. But I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter number 16. I want you to look at verse 14. Acts chapter 16. Now here you're going to see a little bit of a difference between the general calling of humanity to come to Christ and this specific personal calling 
to come to Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but this one right here starts exciting me a little bit. You know, it's one thing to be numbered among the millions. But it's something else entirely different to know that God knows your name. And he calls you by name. And he's aware of your life. He's aware of your situation. He knows exactly what you're going through. He is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He knows me by my name. Hello? He is a friend, the Bible says, that sticks closer than a brother, right? I mean, hey, it's God, and he knows us by name. Look, if you will. Here, once again, we find something about this specific, personal call on this lady named Lydia. Look, if you will, Acts chapter 16 and verse number 14. It says, A woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God, was listening. She was listening to the sermon. She was listening to the gospel. She was listening to the testimony. She was listening to Paul. And she says this, or the scripture says, The Lord, get this, opened, here's where we're getting personal, her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. Do you see the difference, church? That's all I want you to see here. I'm trying to draw a contrast between this general call that I don't believe any of us can deny that is out there for all of humanity. But I want you to know it goes further than that. There's this personal call, this special intentional call that God gave to this lady And her name was Lydia. It says, the Lord opened whose heart? Her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. And of course, we know the rest of the story. She accepted Christ. She opened her heart. She became a believer, a very influential person in in this area and, and became a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe that's the calling. There's where we get the same Greek word that Jude is using about how we have been called. It's this personal call that, that God has given us. Let, let me show you some more scripture. I, I hope you don't mind me just taking a little bit of time and letting you turn through your Bibles. I know Sunday morning's geared a little bit differently I'd like our, our Wednesday evenings to slow down and really just dig into the Word a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to go there and look in verse number 5. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 5. And what I'm trying to reference here now is how this intentional, spiritual, personal call that God deals with us on an individual basis, how... It brings dead sinners who never even knew Christ, never regarded Christ in their heart, brings them to a redeeming, saving faith through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 4 it says, But God, and man, I got a whole sermon I preach off that phrase, but God. You let that go to work in your life. Yeah, but God, you know, we back ourselves, uh, our backs against the wall in different situations in our life, whether it's financial or whether it's relational or whatever. But God, listen, there is a God in heaven that can make a difference, and I believe that's what we're seeing here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, verse 5 is where I'm going, made us alive with the Messiah. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. 
There we see the evidence of this personal call that he gave to Lydia, that he's given to every single one of us, how we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God knows you by name, that he gave a personal call to your life, and you responded even when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm just trying to draw out what I think Jude is wanting us to see when he's writing to his audience And he talks how they have been called. Listen, we don't need to live in fear when we know that we've been called by God. Now, let me say this. If you don't know that you've been called, hello? If you don't know that you have responded to the personal call that God has placed upon your life, if you're just going through the religious motions, then you may be somewhat scared if you just have this general idea about being a Christian. But if you have heard his call personally, that's where I'm trying to get, right? If I have heard his call and I have responded to his call, I don't have to live in fear because I know that he redeemed me. Matter of fact, he is the initiator, if you'll let me use that word, I don't even know if it's true. He is the initiator, if you will, of my salvation. He's the one that initiated it. He's the one that came to me. I mean, I remember when I was just going my own crazy wild way and I had heard the general call, right? Many of you probably have it as well. But you remember that one day when it seemed like the knocking on your heart's door got a little bit louder. I hope this thing don't break. It's going to shatter one of these days, I know. You remember when it got a little bit louder? You remember when God started dealing with you a little bit more? You remember when you almost could feel his presence and conviction was coming over you? And I don't know what your response is and what your emotions may have been I've heard preachers in error. I I believe their intentions were very well. I believe they were good. But I don't believe the doctor is real good. And they talk about how they had this tingling up and down their spine and these goosebumps all over them. Well, let me tell you, I I can create a tingling up and down your spine, but it won't save you. Let's go back in my office. I've got a little metal coat hanger back there that I hang my jacket on. I'll I'll straighten it out for you, and I'll let you stick it in one of these receptacles, and I promise you, you'll get a little tingling all through your body. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're saved, right? So we've got to be careful whenever we start sharing our experience with someone. Oh, when I got saved, I had this feeling all over me or these goosebumps or this tingling or, or I just wept and I cried. And if you've never experienced that, then probably you're never saved. No, 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 no. We all have different emotions, right? Are you tracking with me? But we cannot deny the call, that personal call that God has on our life. Do you get that? Go back to Jude now. I'm done with that one word. And we could do a lot more with that, but that is sufficient. To those who are called. That's reason number one for us not to live in fear. That's reason number one for us to rest in God. I've been called. You see, I don't lay down. You can ask my wife this. I don't lay down in bed at night and worry. I don't lay down in bed at night and worry about whether I'm saved or I'm lost or if I die, am I going to hell? I just don't worry a whole lot about a whole lot of stuff. You know why? Because I have learned how to rest in God. All is well with my soul. Whatever happens, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. (laughs) 
I didn't mean to go there. It just kind of came to my mind. Learn to rest in God. Man, if you can go back to your call, I know. (laughs) Listen, when the going gets tough, I go back to my call. I know God's called me. When I feel like I want to quit, I go back to my call. I know God's called me. When I feel like I've, I've let God down and He has forsaken me and, and there's no hope, I go back to my call. I know God has called me. Are you getting it, church? That's what Jude is saying. He's saying, guys, look in verse number 1. To those who are called. To those who have experienced and responded To this personal, not the general, this personal call in your life. Now, with all these wonderful blessings comes a lot of great responsibility. And I want to unpack that later. But I just want to share the good stuff right now. We've been called, right? What time is it? I'll never finish these other three. But look, we've been called by God. Second, second reason. Second reason we can rest in God and not live in fear. Not only because we have been called, but get this one. We've been loved. Loved by God the Father. Just let that sink in. Sometimes I think we just kind of blow past that. Oh yeah, God loves us. All right, next. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You got to understand that God loved you when you were unlovable. You see, it's one thing to love a friend, right? Someone that you know is a good close friend that, man, you know come come hard times in your life, you could pick up the phone, you could call them, you know they would be there for you. You know what I'm talking about? It's one thing to love somebody like that. But what about somebody that's a stranger? What about someone you don't even know? What about a stranger? You think it's a little bit more difficult to love a stranger like you love your best friend? Sure it is. Let's go a little bit further. What about an enemy? Not necessarily a stranger, but an enemy. How about loving them? Man, we all call ourselves believers. We all call ourselves Christians. And we believe the scripture in the word where they shall know you by your love for the brethren. But man, we struggle with that enemy thing, don't we? And by the way, We all have at least one enemy. That enemy, of course, is Satan himself. But he has a huge following. And they, if we're going to categorize them, categorize folks, would be enemies of God. Matter of fact, Scripture even says that we were enemies of God. Right? But he loved us. Wow. You see, I I love my wife and I love my kids. And I would literally push them out of the road to take the crash or um, be ran over by a truck. I would, I would risk my life to save them because I love them. I hope and pray that I would put forth as much effort for a friend. I hope I could, you know, you never know until you put in that situation, right? So I'm not going to stand here and tell you I would do that. But I'm going to say, watch out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you know. <laughs> But it, it, I'm just kidding. I'd be, I got you back, okay? I'd be there. <laughs> but it would be hard for an enemy. Man, if they've attacked me and attacked my family, and I may sit back, 
vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I repay. He's getting them, right? But you know what God said? He loved us. Now, I don't know, whenever you start thinking about the dangers of apostasy and the dangers of the church age that we live in and, and even the dangers of this age that we live in with the shootings and killings and, and, and just the vile sinfulness that's all around us, Sometimes that can cause anxiety to come up in our lives and sometimes we can start living in fear as a result of that. And I don't believe God wants us to live that way. He wants us to remember our call but then also remember that He loves us. Now, let me give you a few verses of Scripture here. And I'm going to turn to the classic first and I'm sure you already know this one but Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. Whenever I think about love and, and trying to teach, start teaching on God's love, my mind immediately is go back to Romans 5 and, and verse number 8. Go ahead and turn there if you will, and, and we'll jump around at a few other passages. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn to some of these that I know you probably already have memorized just so we can get in a good practice of working and around in our Bibles and turning around. But in John chapter 5 and verse number 8, get this. But God, man, there it is again. It's all through the Scripture. Proves His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us you say how much does God love me literally that much that he gave his son to die on the cross when while we were going to church and trying to be a good person and turned over a new leaf and after we've been baptized and we're taking communion and we're doing the churchy stuff no while we were yet sinners in other words while we were yet enemies of God you see, I remember, and I, I know better, I was brought up better than this, and I've been in church my whole life, and, but I remember when I was 18 years old, and maybe 17 years old, and I was working at UPS, and I went in on the 2 a.m. shift, and I was unloading the tractor trailers, and there were two of us in the truck, and we had to unload that thing, and, and the sorter was, it came down the conveyor belt, and the sorter, which now, I was telling somebody about this story the other day, but the sorter now is a computer, <laughs> You know, and it kind of sorts things on the UPS conveyor belt. But I was up there unloading the, that truck, and the sorter was a preacher by the name of Daniel Buchanan. And he preached, or he pastored an independent Baptist church right there close to uh, our hometown where I lived. And man, he was a big dude. I mean, about 6'6", six, six, solid muscle. I mean, huge. I mean, and just his low voice and his bald head back in that day and his muscles and just the way he talked. I mean, I believe he scared people into, into heaven. Just, just the way he carried himself. And I remember I was up and I was unloading the truck and, and I guess you have to see it, but, but they packed those UPS trucks in walls of boxes, okay? It's just wall after wall after wall and layers and, and you start pulling them down. Well, I, I had pulled a section down, a couple boxes down, and turned my back to put it down a conveyor belt, reached back up and the whole thing fell on me and, you know, back in that, those days I wasn't living right and, you know, I got saved when I was 13, but man, when I got in high school, I backslid and I got so far away from God and, and I don't want to glorify Satan with all that stuff, but, but I was just not where I need to be spiritually and I let out a huge curse word and, and I used God's name in vain and man alive, that preacher, he had a, he had a safety button right by where he worked, where he could stop the conveyor belt at any moment. You know, if there's a clog or whatever, and he, all, it stopped. He jumped up in back of that truck. 
And he ran up to me and he picked me up and he said, boy, he said, you may not love God, but I want you to know that's my God that you just cursed. And I do not want to hear that. I mean, he just pinned me up against the wall. I'm thinking, at that time, I was scared to death. But I've thought back over that and I'm thinking, man, we need more Christians like that. Why don't you jack up the next guy you hear cursing? That's what he did to me. I said all that to say this. I believe at that point I was an enemy to God, but he still loved me. Right? I'm glad, and I think about the clay on the potter's wheel, and he was molding me and making me as a child, and at 13 I accepted Christ. He's molding me and making me, and he's creating this vessel, and hopefully, as Peter writes, this vessel of honor to be used for his glory. And then, then I came into my teenage years and my high school years, and, man, I just, I just, I just got away from God. And then I got married, and I thank God for the family I married into, and they helped bring me back to, to cross where I needed to be. But I believe in that whole process. And then I got married, and we didn't have any children, and we, ha- we, we put out a plan that we wanted to wait five years before we had any kids, and, and we just wanted, because we were kids ourselves. We got married when we were 19 years old, and we said, you know, we're way too young to get married, but let's get married, and let's figure this thing out. And we said, well, let's don't have any kids. don't need to complicate things or anything. Let's wait five years, and then we'll try to have children. And in that time frame is when Debbie had cancer, and I had some surgeries that same year, and we almost lost everything financially, almost lost everything as far as our health is concerned and our lives are concerned. You know what I believe God did then? I believe instead of grabbing the clay and just pitching it, I believe he put more pressure on it, and I believe he got it all the way back down to a lump, and he started molding fashioning that clay again to where I am the man I am today but I am so thankful that God loved me enough not to throw the clay away so whenever fear sets in in your life today whenever the uncertainty and the anxieties of the day set in whenever in in the context of what we're studying here with, with Jude and his writing Whenever we look around the apostasy and heresy and false doctrine and teachings is everywhere, instead of going somewhere and just hiding in a corner and just hoping things get better, we need to stand confidently in the church and rest and have confidence and peace in God who called us personally and who loves us and his love for us is an unconditional love. Matter of fact, that's where I want you to turn next. I want you to go with me. Over, we were in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. I want you to go over to Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 38. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 38. Get this. I'm just going to close with this. It's it's 8 o'clock. I'm not going to get the other two done. Romans 8 and verse 38. I want you to look what he says. For I am persuaded. Get that. Let that sink in. Are you persuaded? Think about your life. Think about all you've been through. Think about God and his sovereignty. Think about his call on your life. Think about the love that he has for you. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've actually got written in my Bible right here. I don't know if you can see it, but I wrote in there, Good news! God loves us. Underneath it I wrote, Greater news! He always will. Now church, you've got to get a hold of this one. I want you to get a hold of this. There's not one thing that you can do to cause God to love you any more than he already loves you. The same token, there's not one thing you can do to cause him to love you any less. A lot of times we say, okay, good, next. Let that sink in. Because I have counseled with numerous people and talked with numerous people that are trying to prove themselves to God to gain his favor. You don't have to do that. You gained his favor when you were even an enemy of God. And he let his son die on the cross and suffer your pain and your shame there on the cross. He's already proven his love for you. And there's nothing. Quit, quit trying to do good enough to, to cause God to love you more. There's nothing you can do to cause him to love you any more than he already loves you. And the good news, the greater news, is that he always will love you. And there's not one thing you can do to cause him to love you any less. And you may think, well, what if I go and you just name the greatest sin you can think of? You know what? He will be grieved but it won't change his love for you. Right? He still loves you. And so whenever we think about in these last days of the church age, which Jude is writing about, we don't need to live in fear. We can rest in God and have his peace and not fear when we do two things of the four that I mentioned. When we think about our call, not the general call, but the personal call. And then we think about the love that he has for us. That's good stuff. Hello? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together and thank you for your word. It's so rich. It's so powerful. It's so comforting. We look around in our world today and we listen to the news programs and, and they're all basically the same the doom and the gloom and sharing all the bad stuff that's happening and it's almost like folks are throwing their hands up and saying there's no hope but I believe there is hope and hope is not in man but hope is in you and help us as a church not to live in fear help us not to have this anxiety about the last days Help us to live and to rest in you and to live fearless because we remember our call. How you personally have called us and you know us by name. Scripture says that the very hairs on our head are numbered. You know exactly who we are. You've called us. We've responded. We're yours. And you love us. And you prove that on the cross. And through your word, you teach us over and over again that there's nothing that will ever change your love for us. There's nothing that can separate us from you. 
We thank you, God, for your love for us. May we take our call and your love and march triumphantly through the rest of this week and the rest of our lives and help us to be an influence for you on someone for the cause and the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we will pick up right there next week and continue through uh, the book of Jude. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.